0: Tonight, I I really want to continue on. I was thinking uh, this, well, yesterday, driving back, and then this afternoon, you know, I've spoke six times, I think, in the last few days, and this will be the seventh, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, where else can we go? Because there's no way to exhaust the Word of God and the application of the Word of God in any relationship, in our personal relationship with the Lord, our relationship to others, uh, there are many different places that we could go, but tonight I, I really just wanted to take some time and just talk about the benefits of having a spirit-filled marriage. You know, I've kind of hinted at those things, and I think you probably have come to some conclusions on your own, uh, just in listening and the Holy Spirit ministering to your heart. You know, that's a wonderful thing about preaching. When you know you're preaching the Word of God, you know that the Spirit of God is working in hearts. It takes a lot of pressure off of the communicator, of the preacher, when he knows that the Word of God is going to speak to his people and it, it is amazing to me, you know, all the years of pastoring, you stand at the back door, and and uh, I never forget just a, a young man coming out the door one day, and I don't remember what I would preached on, but he came out and just said, man, when you talked about this, it just spoke to my heart. I really needed that. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say a thing about that in the message this morning. You know what that was, though? It was a humbling thing for me to know that it doesn't matter. My delivery, my eloquence, as long as I'm in tune with the Spirit of God and preaching the Word of God, the, the, the Spirit of God is going to have free course. And if you're in tune, your heart's prepared, then you're going to leave fed. I've, I've often snickered in my heart when somebody said, well, I'm just not being fed. And because they've immediately identified their personal problem. Yeah, their heart's not prepared. You know, if you're not coming into church prepared, it's quite easy to assume that you'll leave and not having received anything. But I say to you, my friend, I thank you for just your warmness. I thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for coming prepared. Thank you for listening to the voice of God, the Spirit of God. And, and I do not take these things lightly. I, I certainly count it a privilege every time we open the Word of God. Now, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 5 again tonight. Ephesians chapter number 5. We read the text this morning, but we're going to read uh, some of it again, and we will cover some verses that we did not cover this morning, but verse number 21 of Ephesians chapter number five says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and And without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man cleave. "...or leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife even as himself, and and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother." which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This evening, as we talk about the blessings of a strong marriage, I want to remind you this morning we talked about the foundation or the bedrock Of a spirit filled marriage. I I just simply bring that up just to kind of bring us back into the context of the message from this morning. The importance of having your marriage and that relationship and your home firmly planted on the bedrock of your relationship with the Lord. And how many of you would agree with me that that is something that needs a continual working? Yeah, it's not one and done. It's like the the one fellow said when he got he told his wife. She said, "Well, you don't tell me you love me anymore." And he said, "Well, I told you the day we got married. If it changes, I'll let you know." That does not work, fellas. And the ladies all said, "Amen." Yeah, thank you. I thought you might do that. No, we need to know on a regular basis. Well, our relationship with the Lord. Let me tell you, if you want a closeness. To God, then it takes a continual working every single day, taking in from the bounty of His Word, communicating with Him in your heart and allowing the Spirit of God to minister to you. We talked about the basics of the Spirit-filled marriage this morning as we look through verse number 22 through about verse number 26. Tonight as we look at the blessings of the strong marriage I want us to see first of all that a spirit-filled marriage sanctifies the home. Now what do I mean with that by that? Look at verse number 21 and 22 again, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So we see that it's done in the fear of God and as unto the Lord. It is something that's sanctified. A marriage that is lived out according to the principles of the word of God is a marriage that keeps God at the center. It produces a home where Jesus is king and God is sovereign. It is a marriage that opens the door for God to bless it in amazing ways. You know, when we work every single day and every single week to keep God the center focus of our marriage, it is going to have an impact. There's no room for our fleshly desires to take root. There's no room for our, our fleshly desires to take root in our heart and in our mind and, and, and for sin to be conceived and to, to bring forth uh, you know, a sin in our life and actions that are unpleasing to the Lord because we are so consumed with our responsibility to keep Christ the center of all things. You know, it's interesting, from time to time I'll run into somebody and they'll say, well, you're in the ministry, it's easy for you to keep Christ in the center because you work in such a Christian environment. And I said, it's really not any easier. uh, If you were to walk the halls of BIMI, there's many opportunities on a daily basis to get into the flesh. Why is that? Because each office has an individual sitting in that office. Each time the phone rings, sometimes there's a happy person, sometimes there's an upset person. There's many opportunities for the flesh to take over. So to say you don't know what you're talking about because you don't work in the world, I say to you, my friend, no, your choice to allow God to be involved in your daily life is simply, like I said, your choice. Many years ago when I was working the freight docks there in Nashville, and it started in Jacksonville, there were some guys there that went out of their way to distract me and to cause me to stumble and fall. You know why they did that? Because they wanted to see that I they wanted me to be like them. They called me preacher man. Here I am 21, 22, well, I guess I was 23 and up to 25 and you know they'd come in, they'd throw something down in front of me that I, they knew I didn't want to see, but they'd throw it down in there knowing that a man's, a man's mind takes a, a mental image immediately like that and it takes a while to get that image out of their mind. So they would throw something down in front of me and say, what do you think about that preacher man? And I'd just close it and slide it to the side. And they would, ah, ha, ha, ha. You say, well, you don't know what you mean. Let me tell you, it, it takes a walk with the Spirit of God and the Word of God every single day to keep him the central focus. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter your family's past. It's a conscious decision that Christ is going to be the center. When he is, though, that spirit-filled marriage, let me tell you, there is a, a blissful environment in that home that can only be present or present when God is in the midst. Now, you say, do you sit around with your wife all the time and just talk about how glorious God is? No. No, we eat meatloaf and cornbread and beans and we talk about grandkids and we flip through our phone and we're on Facebook and we do spiritual things every day, but we live, she buys groceries. I mean, we do all the things that normal people do because we have to living in this earthly tabernacle. But there is something about the presence of knowing she's walking with the Lord and she desires that I walk with the Lord so that when the trials of life come, and they will, that she can have an understanding or an expectation that I am going to act and react appropriately as Christ would be pleased. I'm, at the same time, I'm I'm going to have an expectation that she is going to act and react appropriately. You say, well, you guys just seem like you're always happy. Well, we are genuinely happy. She makes a great meatloaf, amen? Why could I not be happy? No, we are genuinely happy, but I just want you to know it's, not, it's because we work on this. This is something that we try to practice in our home. But we both have bad days. We just hope we both don't have a bad day on the same day. Amen. When we think about this, that spirit-filled marriage sanctifying the home, it is truly is an amazing experience. When, and you're, it's a blessing that you can enjoy when Christ is a sinner. Let me give you a second blessing tonight. Verse number 32, it says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. This spirit-filled marriage glorifies the Savior. Can you imagine God being so pleased with the way that you conduct yourself in your home? Well, that's exactly what he's talking about here. When Christ is at the center of our relationship, when each one of us are uh, are continually working on our relationship with the Lord, and you're working on your relationship with the Lord, and so is your spouse, and you're training your children to do that, let me tell you, it brings great glory to the Lord. God is glorified when we live out our marriages according to his precepts. It's true because a marriage that functions according to the word of God is a marriage that honors his will and doing his will always brings glory to his name so God is glorified when we love like he loves and then an amazing thing I, I don't know why sometimes in our in our minds we compartmentalize our personal walk with the Lord and separate that from our Our walk with the Lord together as a couple and as a family. When you cannot walk together and serve the Lord and walk with the Lord if you're not doing it individually. But when all of you are doing it together, let me tell you, can you imagine just the the honor that is given to our Savior when he says in the midst of all the trial, in the midst of all the sickness, in the midst of all the, the controversy and the battles that are going on in this world... Here is an example of someone who, if they will do what I ask them to do, I can give them the greatest experience in life if they'll just simply follow my plan. Now, why is it that we separate our family? We know that that's possible. I mean, we preach in missions conferences. We preach in college chapels. We teach in Sunday school. Kids follow the Lord, and it'll be the greatest life you can ever have. But I'm here tonight to tell you there's nothing greater than serving the Lord, but doing it with a spouse that wants to serve the Lord, it doesn't get much better than that. And God wants you to experience that. He wants you to understand that when you follow him, He's going to bless it, and you are going to bless him by being obedient. Again, we're talking about these blessings of this spirit-filled marriage. Let me give you a third thought here tonight, and that is that a spirit-filled marriage witnesses to the lost. What do I mean by that? Well, a strong, godly marriage is a witness to the lost generation because it's living, breathing example of Christ in his church. It demonstrates the power of the love of God and the grace of God to all who witness it. A godly marriage exemplifies forgiveness, patience, love, hope, and the power of God's saving grace. So this good and godly marriage is a powerful witness to a lost world. When the world looks at our marriages, they should see how Christ loved his church. They should see that there's just something different about our love for our spouse. You realize when you walk through Walmart and people are watching you, I understand you don't go into Walmart to watch people, some of us do. I love to sit in airports and watch people. There's some crazy characters traveling the airways, let me tell you. But you know when the world looks at you and I I, I can't really well, I I believe that the Lord allows certain things to come into a Christian's life so that the world can see the difference in what God can do in a person. And help them deal with a crisis. You know I've talked some this, this weekend about my mom and her cancer. I love my mom to death if you can't tell that. But uh, when mom went through cancer I, I was simply amazed at the grace of God working in her life. On numerous occasions, I would take her to the infusion clinic there in Vanderbilt just to give my dad a break. It was an hour and 15 minute drive, and I wanted to spend some time with my mom. And so I would go to the infusion clinic, and it's a little bit different today because of COVID, but you would go into this clinic, and they were all there, young and old alike. Cancer does not have an age discretion, it affects anyone at any age. And it was amazing when you're in that infusion clinic and you see someone come in, and you could see that their health has just been battered. Their body has been battered, and they were down, and they were low. And You could tell that there were some that were new to it, and you could see the fear in their heart and the uncertainty about what was going to happen. And I watched my dad, and I watched my mom as they saw it as an opportunity to minister to others. They saw it as an opportunity to allow the world to see that there's a difference than Christ can make in your life and make in your relationship. And I went into the back with my mom one time, and her infusions typically took about four hours because they would have to give her the things that would settle her stomach and prevent her from having nausea. And they would mix up the cocktail of the chemotherapy. They would come in. and But it was about a four-hour ordeal, and I would go in and sit quietly next to her. But when the nurse would come in, my mom would always do this. She would say, honey as she said to the nurse and these were women okay she would say honey how can i pray for you today now here's a cancer patient talking to a nurse about how can i pray for you and i wish you could have seen the looks on the faces of some of the ladies that i saw the few days that i was there with her as they were thinking and you could see it in their mind and then some of them actually said it out loud They would say, honey, back. And they would say, well, honey, you're the one with cancer. I'm going to care for you today. Don't you worry about me. And my mom was like, listen, honey, I'm going to be here for four hours let me pray for you. You know what would happen? They actually would battle to get to see who could take care of mom because they appreciated her, her attitude, her experience, and the way that she ministered. I've seen nurses kneel down next to her chair when they were done tending to her, but they would kneel down next to her, and she would hold their hand, and they would put their head on her arm, and she would pray with them. Let me tell you, the world needs to see cr- true Christianity. They need to see it not only in our personal walk, but they need to see it in our marriages. They need to, they need to be able to come to you and, and say, what's different about you? It's interesting, uh, several months ago we went into a dental clinic here in the area, and Chris and I, I think I went in first early in the morning, and it was a different hygienist than we'd had before because of a schedule change. And uh, I met her, and you know, she was a nice lady. I didn't say much because my mouth was open and her hand was in it, amen, but... We had a really good conversation and, and really just kind of built a, a relationship there in those few minutes that I didn't have something in my mind. And I said, my wife's coming in this afternoon. I'm looking forward to you getting to meet her and called her by Later that afternoon, my wife comes home and she said, wow, that, that young lady that took care of us today, she was just a really nice person. I said, yeah, she was. I said, she's saved. And she said, yeah, she, we talked about it. And I said, well, how did it go? How did it end up? And she said, you know, she just really was drawn to both of us. And she asked my wife, she said, can I I start meeting with you? She goes to another church. She's already saved. But she said, there's something different about you and your husband. I'd just like to meet with you. And, you know, trying to disciple someone or meet with someone with our schedule is kind of crazy. But I watch them text back and forth and they work out their schedules and my wife will meet her at a coffee shop over in Ottawa and they'll spend some time together. And you know what she's asking, how do I have a, a vibrant relationship with my husband? How do, we, how do we serve the Lord together? How do we develop the spirit? Let me tell you, it's something we've worked on for 28 years. We haven't arrived yet, but I tell you, it, it does feel good to know that God can use us and someone else can see the difference. And that's what he wants all of us to do. Can you imagine the difference in this community if we all love the Lord and, hey, I could fail tonight. So this is not arrogance. This is understanding that it's a conscious effort every single moment of every single day to control every thought and influence in my heart. I could fail tonight. And so could you. So, But for us to constantly work on this and to allow the spirit of God to indwell us and to fill us and flow through us to the point that this community is reached. Can you imagine the testimony of Lakewood Baptist Church? Some of them would be like, and I don't know what's going on there, but I can't measure up to that. I can't go there. Others would be like, I don't know what's going on there, but I'm going to sneak in the door. I'm going to watch their live stream. I want to be a part of that because those people are real. They don't just dress up and act right on Sunday. No, these people live it out in the community, in their neighborhood, in their street. They love the Lord and it's obvious. That's the blessing of of walking with the Lord and having a spirit-filled marriage. It witnesses to the lost. If we do not live our lives according to the word of God, then we're going to continue to see the degradation of our society. We're going to continue to see things on the news that are just absolutely repulsive to us and our heart and our conscience. What do they need? They need to see that we desire nothing more than to walk with the Lord and be faithful and true to our spouse. Some of the things that I hear worldly people or people of the world say, I'm just like, you have no idea. What it would be like to follow the Lord and His plan, and what joy and fulfillment and contentment that brings. And they're chasing thing after thing, and person after person, and relationship after relationship, and they're finding maybe a, a, a minute of, of fulfillment, but there's no lasting fulfillment. The next morning, there's remorse. The next month, there's another crisis. The next, the next year. There's another family member, and let me tell you, when you when you have that relationship with the Lord, and he stays in his proper place, you avoid so many of the pitfalls that the world fall into. As a pastor, I've been in the hospital when split families sometimes split two and three ways, and the loved one, the center of that, those relationships is in a time of crisis due to a car accident or a heart attack. And all of those families from all those splinters come in and the awkwardness that's in the room and the awkwardness at the casket of a loved one. I look at that and my heart breaks for them because I know that the Lord has not been the center of their relationship. He hasn't been giving them victory after victory. And I say, Lord, please protect my wife, protect our family, protect our children, and their spouses so that, Lord, they will be able to see something different and something precious about what you can do in the relationship. The fourth thing that I would like to share with you as far as a blessing of a spirit-filled relationship is just simply that a spirit-filled marriage instructs the next generation. Look at chapter number 6 and verse number 3 or 1 through 3 it says children obey your parents and the lord for this is right honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth We understand in these verses, Paul is speaking to the children in the home. Children have a duty to submit to their parents, but I'm talking to the husbands and the wives tonight. We need to realize that our children need to learn about marriage and how to treat their future spouse by watching you. I told you our default actions as a human are to reproduce what we've learned in our childhood by watching our parents or whoever it was that was raising us. If the if you were raised in a home where the father screamed at the mother, then it would be a natural thing for you to assume that that's normal without the Spirit of God teaching you otherwise. It would be natural for you to grow up and you to yell at your children. You know, when I think about this, I think about my grandchildren. I'll never forget. I don't remember the night exactly, but I remember the time when it dawned on me that my son would treat my daughter-in-law the way that I treat my wife. You want to talk about a sense of accountability, a sense of weight, and a sense of purpose to work on that relationship because I wanted to make sure that my son was a good husband. I wanted to make sure that he was a good father. Why? Because he is raising my grandchildren. Amen. You know, I want him to treat my granddaughter and my grandchild biblically, correctly, with the right heart attitude. I want him to maintain a relationship with the Lord, but I can't expect him to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So when you obey the Lord and you have that spirit-filled marriage, your children are going to grow up and they're going to recognize when something's wrong because they're going to have seen what's right. It's important that your children date people that follow the Lord and walk with the Lord as well, because however they were raised in their home, that's how they're going to treat your children. You know, my my daughter's 24. She hasn't dated anyone yet, not because she hasn't wanted to. I think she's terrified of what I might do to the first young man she brings along, but you know what? One of the, the, the biggest concerns and prayer of my life is that the young man that God has for my daughter will have been raised and reared in a home where the father treated the mother with love and respect. Why? Because that's the way I want my daughter to be treated. I've been cleaning my guns for 24 years waiting for that young man to show up. I'm just teasing. I'm not that kind of guy all the time. You know, I think it should be something that each one of us consider. You know, I think it's important for our grandchildren to see grandma and grandpa love one another and treat them well. You know, if if you're raised in a home where the mom makes light of the dad when he's absent, then it stands to reason that the children, when they grow up, the daughters will make fun of their husbands and their husbands' absence. We need to think through these things. What's normal in your home will be normal in their home. You say, well, I don't want that to be in our home. Then we have to make a conscious decision to follow the Lord and to handle things right and to walk with the Lord right. If we won't do it for ourselves, let's do it for the next generation so that they know what God is able to do in a home what he's able to do in a relationship, what he's able to do with children in a home and in the next generation. You know, it scares me to think about what this world will be like for my grandchildren. It's changed so much in my lifetime. I'm starting to sound like an old person, amen? You just look at things from a different perspective. And some of you are saying, you just wait, buddy, you're only 52. I understand that, but I can't believe some of the things that I see now and my response are so different than when I was 25 and 30 years of age. And we were starting to raise our family. The thing is, is I want to make sure that I preserve everything that I can possibly preserve for the next generation so that they can enjoy what a spirit-filled marriage can bring into their life. You know, I want my grandchildren to go. You remember when Papa and Grandma would sit next to each other and hold their hands. We thought it was gross when we were kids, but wasn't that sweet? It is sweet. I want them to recognize it as sweet. Oh, sure, it might be gross when they're kids. I understand that. But there's going to be a point where they're going to go, I want that in my life. I want that in my relationship. You know, We need to take a step back and look at our marriages. How do the children around us see us? What are we teaching them about marriage? We have a responsibility to this generation. You know, I have it here in my notes as I talked about how you were raised and some of the things that you saw that maybe were not Christ-like Never use that your upbringing as an excuse for bad behavior in your own life. Let's break the cycle. Let's allow the Spirit of God to work in us and change the heritage of our family. When we look at marriage, we need to understand that it is God's gift, a wonderful gift to humanity. A marriage that operates as God intended truly is a beautiful thing. And the only way a marriage can be what God designed it to be is for both the husband and the wife to be filled with the Spirit of God. We're living in a generation where this institution of marriage is under attack from all sides. And some of those attacks are from sources that I really never expected to attack marriage. To attack the sanctity of life. Who is going to stand up and say, this is not what God intended. This is contrary to the word of God. You know, they're going to try to squelch us out. They're going to try to silence us. They're going to try to threaten us. But how about with a Christ-like love in our heart and an expression to know this is not right. This is contrary to the word of God. It's contrary to the mandates of scripture. And we cannot allow this to go forward without our voices being heard. My friend, that's why people who still believe the Bible, people like us should take our stand for marriage. And the best way we can take our stand for marriage is by putting the effort into our own marriage that the world sees Man, maybe I need this in my life after all. Tonight, I just simply want to close this seven-part series, this marriage retreat and this family conference by saying, are you willing to recommit to the Lord tonight to give it your all? Be sensitive to his spirit. Listen to his spirit and obey his spirit, and allow him to take you places not only personally in your walk with him, but together as a family, as a marriage unit, as a family unit, to allow him to take you to places you never could have imagined just by your simple obedience. Are you willing to do that tonight? Are you willing to make that commitment? Then let's bow our heads and let's speak to the Lord about it. As your head is bowed and your eyes are closed and you may already be speaking to the Lord there in your seat, many of you gave me a visual confirmation either with a smile or a nod of your head that you are willing to recommit this evening to giving it your all. You're willing to recommit to allowing the Spirit of God to have control to maintain control, to direct your life, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort you in ways that you know that you need because you're battling the flesh every single day, and you say, I'm willing to make that commitment, then I'm going to encourage you, my friend, right now, in your seat or if you're willing to come in just a moment at the altar, maybe you should come as a marriage couple, a married couple. Maybe you should come as a family. Maybe there's a father here that's done some things wrong. And I said this morning, one of the greatest things you can do is admit your failure to your children and ask for forgiveness. Maybe there's a dad or a mom here tonight that needs to take a child by the hand. And with a tear in your eye, a heartfelt tear, you need to say, I have failed. And I want you to know that I desire to do better. I desire to please the Lord. I desire to lead you. To be a spirit-filled believer yourself. Would you do that tonight? Would you allow the Lord to bring that revival to your heart in this area of your life? Our Father, we come to you tonight, and Lord, our Lord, I, I think our hearts are full. I feel that the Holy Spirit has had the ability to speak to our hearts tonight. I think our hearts have been open. I've sensed it, I've seen it in their eyes. Lord, I've enjoyed their smiles and I've enjoyed the fellowship the last couple of days. But Lord, I believe that here at the end is the time of decision. Tonight is the night of commitment. Tonight is the night that brings change to our life that will make a difference tomorrow. Lord, tonight is the night that a parent can commit before their children that they will walk with the Lord in a way they never have before that they will be just as faithful to the Lord on Monday that they are on Sunday. Lord, that the words that come out of their mouth would be the same words that would be pleasing to the Lord, that their anger would be brought under control, that their thoughts would be brought under control, that they would be faithful and loyal to one another and to the Lord. Lord, so many things that we could cover here tonight, but you're covering them in our hearts. Help us to be sensitive and help us to give us the courage to be obedient. In Christ's name we do pray. Would you stand to your feet, your head bowed, your eyes closed as Brother Andrew begins to sing softly. If you need to come tonight and that, make that commitment, either yourself or with your family, a family member, a loved one, a spouse, a child, would you come tonight? The time is now. The time for the decision is now. The time for the commitment is now. Would you come?
1: Amen.
2: Obedient to that still voice in your heart tonight. These are areas that all of us face in life. I'm so thankful for God's grace. God's enabling. God's not called us to do anything that He'll not first enable us to accomplish. Would you come as others are praying? Would you be obedient to the Lord. Will Andrew, another verse, please.
1: Have thine own way.
2: Charlotte, would you just play through there softly? While the Lord's working in our hearts, there's no better time this evening to allow God to begin a new work, a new work in our hearts. sing another verse there may be someone here who needs Christ never truly been born again you're not for sure if you died tonight heaven is your home if you're watching by live stream maybe you're not sure of that I ask you that question are you 100% sure if you died tonight heaven is your home if not then can I encourage you that Christ died on the cross for your sins that he loved you in the, while you were yet a sinner he did all of this he showed his love in a great compassionate way. He'll accept you and simply trust him. Repent of your sin and trust him as your Lord and Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll trust Christ tonight, if you'd like some encouragement and help in that way, you can call the church. We'll be glad to help you. That information is there on the live stream. Maybe you're watching over in the Bragg Center. I'm not sure if there are folks there, but God's speaking to hearts once again invite you to come. You're here tonight and God spoke to your heart. You need to join a local church. Get busy serving God. Join that church. You're joining a direction, a desire to serve the Lord with a group of people that love you and love the Lord as well. Come get in. Get off the fence. Start serving God. This verse is for you as well. Would you respond?
1: Have thine own way, Don't Lord, wait. You come? have thine own way, hold o'er my being, absolute sway, fill with thy spirit, till all shall see Christ online.
2: Well, I feel as though the Lord has worked in my heart these number of days. How about you? Before we dismiss, maybe there's just a quick word of testimony. Maybe just a quick word of saying, this is what God did. This is how God spoke to my heart. And these are the directions that we're taking, maybe. Maybe as a couple, as a, as a husband and wife. Anyone would just like to offer a, just a quick word of testimony. Maybe the way God spoke to your heart before dismissed. Who is this? Brother Jerry Dwyer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jerry. Jerry just mentioned that they have devotions in the morning and separately in the evening uh, together. And so they're going to look for those nuggets that they can share with one another to be an encouragement as the day goes forward. Thank you, Brother Jerry, for that. Thank you. Anyone else? What a testimony. Maybe got something God spoke to your heart up in at the conference up uh, in Pigeon Forge or here today. Anyone at all? All right. Miss. Yes, Miss Mitchell. Thank you for that good word, Miss Mitchell. I'm thankful for Miss Mitchell's love for us and love for our families. Our wise words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing that, Miss Mitchell. Angie. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate your prayers for us as well. Sometimes I will be very transparent and sometimes and say that God, if God can take the preacher, he can get the pew, the church. We we covet your prayers. We've not arrived. I'm praise God for his grace. As my wife said, he's not through working on us. I'm thankful. Let's pray together as a family, as a church family, that we'd take these principles that we've gained and picked up this week and been reminded of, and now go on with them. Not forgotten, but go on. And uh, anyone else before we're dismissed? I don't want to keep you standing, but I do want to give, is there one somebody's just dying to make it, say a word of testimony tonight? It'd be a good time. Say thank you to the Lord. Praise His name. Well, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Thank you, Brother Baggett. Thank you, Miss Chris. Please get t- to know them, and if you've not yet, uh, let them know how much you appreciate this weekend and today. Please do so. Pray for them; they're on the road quite a bit. Uh, I'm talking much of the year, and we very seldom see them. But uh, I'd like to lasso them and keep them here regularly. And uh, it's a close. It's a close. It's they're close to the home, so uh, there's that local church. I told him this morning that local church comes in handy every now and then. And uh, so we do love and appreciate Michelle. Amen. Amen. We're thankful that your family is part of our family. We're all together in this. Amen. Wonderful. Good, good, good testimonies. I want to mention Delaney this week. The the McBriars will be heading to Vanderbilt. Pray for God's blessings. Let's pray for God's healing, guidance in the hands of that physician as he uh, does what uh, he will do and God would guide him. And uh, just, just pray for, for just a completion, of very quick healing there. Let's be dismissed. Before we head out this evening, I'd ask the, Brother Baggett, you and Miss Chris, if you would just be here, and our church family would like to come by and just greet you. And you be praying for them, please. Been a good week, has it? Amen. Dr. Sisk, sir, may I ask you to, to ask the blessings upon this church, upon these families? And upon the continuation of God's working in our lives. Thank you, sir.